Welcome to our podcast on A Course in Miracles. We're so happy to have you with us. So now we're in chapter two, and this is section two. The Atonement as Defense. You can do anything I ask. I have asked you to perform miracles and have made it clear that miracles are natural, corrective, healing, and universal. There is nothing they cannot do, but they cannot be performed in the spirit of doubt or fear. When you are afraid of anything, you are acknowledging its power to hurt you. Remember that where your heart is, there is your treasure also. You believe in what you value. If you are afraid, you are valuing wrongly. Your understanding will then inevitably value wrongly and by endowing all thoughts with equal power will inevitably destroy peace. That is why the Bible speaks of the peace of God which passes understanding. This peace is totally incapable of being shaken by errors of any kind. It denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you. This is the proper use of denial. It is not used to hide anything but to correct error. It brings all error into the light and since error and darkness are the same, it corrects error automatically. Okay. So miracles are kind of our right and Jesus says you can do anything I ask you to do and I've asked you to perform miracles but you can't have fear or doubt. Yeah, that's the main point. It's pretty clear, this paragraph. And um, fear and doubt would make you miscreate, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, the miracles also come from this peace of God, which surpasses understanding, uh, you know, because it's kind of invulnerable to misinterpretation, isn't it? I mean... It's not possible if you're coming from that peace to have fear or doubt. What does that mean? Which passes understanding? Passes. Well, passes. It's like you can't. You can't. um, You can't understand how perfect it is. Like that. It's so. Oh, you can't understand it, right? Right. It 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 goes beyond your your understanding. Okay. Yeah. And it. It even casts out the fear. It casts out the fear. It casts out the doubt. Um, and that's beyond our understanding how it does that. Because it it doesn't rely on external situations, you know. It can It can affect an external situation, but it's not... The peace of God is not affected by an external situation. Okay. True denial is a powerful, protective device. You can and should deny any belief that error can hurt you. This kind of denial is not a concealment, but a correction. Your right mind depends on it. Denial of error is a strong defense of truth, but denial of truth results in miscreation, the projections of the ego. In the service of the right mind, the denial of error frees the mind and reestablishes the freedom of the will. When the will is really free, it cannot miscreate because it recognizes only truth. 
We should yeah. deny everything that could hurt us. Yeah, because, you know, I think um, one of our students was saying this morning that uh, her family members had a history of, I don't know, osteoporosis or something. And, and when she was starting to feel a little kind of arthritis mm -hmm. in her fingers, she she said, I'm not going to go there. I'm. It was a denial of the error, right? Mm -hmm. And and it healed her of the situation. Right, that was good, yeah. You know, so, and that is a form of denial this is talking about. When it's, when it's something that's going to put us in more pain and suffering and error and unhappiness, it's important for us to deny those factors that would take us there. So that's where it's saying denial is a powerful protective device. If God's will for you is perfect happiness, and then you allow into your energy field things that are going to cause you doubt and fear and suffering and pain, then you it's, it's up to you to deny those things, mm -hmm. to disallow those things mm -hmm. into your energy field. So that's where it says true denial is a powerful protective device. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can defend truth as well as error. The means are easier to understand after the value of the goal is firmly established. It is a question of what it is for. Everyone defends his treasure and will do so automatically. The real questions are, what do you treasure and how much do you treasure it? Once you have learned to consider these questions and to bring them into your actions, you will have little difficulty in clarifying the means. The means are available whenever you ask. You can, however, save time if you do not protract this step unduly. The correct focus will shorten it immeasurably. Well, okay, so let's let's just do what it says. What is it you treasure? What is it you value? So if, if the miracle is God's will for me is perfect happiness, and then I value that, I'm going to be consistent with those things that bring me perfect happiness, right? Mm -hmm. That's my treasure. Or or if it says love which created me is what I am and I value that self-identity of love, then I'm not going to have grievances. You know, it's going to it's going to cast out the the error. And I I value truth more than error. So truth is my treasure. And the result of truth would have to be perfect happiness mm. or joy. I choose the joy of God instead of pain. You know, so well-being, joy, happiness, and these are um, eternal states. The gifts of God, you know, like we call this this uh, group of s s people who are studying this, the gifts of God program. And what are those? Peace, happiness, quiet mind, certainty of purpose, sense of worth and beauty, care, safety, protection, quietness, gentleness, 
rest so perfect can never be upset so those are gifts those are those are our treasures and to the degree we value them we will have them and we'll keep them um, you know intact mm. the atonement is the only defense that cannot be used destructively because it is not a device you made the atonement principle was in effect long before the atonement began the principle was love, and the atonement was an act of love. Acts were not necessary before the separation because belief in space and time did not exist. It was only after the separation that the atonement and the conditions necessary for its fulfillment were planned. Then a defense so splendid was needed that it could not be misused, although it could be refused. Refusal could not, however, turn it into a weapon of attack, which is the inherent characteristic of other defenses. The atonement thus becomes the only defense that is not a two-edged sword. It can only heal. Yeah, well, atonement is complete forgiveness. So forgiveness is, it says, um, it's, it's a miracle in the midst of illusions but it's the only illusion that doesn't lead to more illusions. So that's kind of what that's saying. It's a, it's the atonement is a defense, but it's a perfect defense that can't be used for attack. Mm -hmm. Whereas other forms of defense can be used for attack. So they're saying that the atonement didn't exist before the separation, but was there anything before the separation? Well, I mean, it's like, do you need healing in the state of heaven where everything is perfect health and well-being? No, no. You, you don't. So atonement is, is a healing uh, function. It has a function of healing or setting right something that went off. So before the separation, nothing was off. But what, so there what, was nothing needed to set right because it was all in alignment. It was all in divine alignment. So when we, you know, dreamed up separation, we went out of alignment, and then we needed the atonement as a corrective device. Were there humans before the separation? I don't think so, right? Well, I mean, uh, Tarji talked about uh, light beings that, you know, the original quote-unquote human was a being of light and he could navigate sort of like be, like Babaji between the physical and the non-physical oh, okay. you know he could he could come into physical form he could go back to light he could do that at will they were light beings they were blessings upon the planet you know they were they were in perfect joy, perfect harmony all the time. Mm, okay. So the more we identified with the body and became denser and denser and denser, and we forgot our light being our spiritual identity, okay. then that, that formulated the separation over eons of time, you know. Mm, okay. The atonement was built into the space-time belief to set a limit on the need for the belief itself and ultimately to make learning complete. The atonement is the final lesson. Learning itself, like the classrooms in which it occurs, is temporary. The ability to learn has no value when change is no longer necessary. The eternally creative have nothing to learn. 
You can learn to improve your perceptions and you can become a better and better learner. This will bring you into closer and closer accord with the sonship. But the sonship itself is a perfect creation and perfection is not a matter of degree. Only while there is a belief in differences is learning meaningful. Yeah, so the sonship is every every human, you know, every person, every every identity. Every identity in the universe is the sonship. You know, even particles of dust have an identity and that's part of the sonship. And and we have an awareness of that sonship and that that is a perfect creation. There's nothing lacking in that. But when we live in the separated state and we're not aware of the sonship, then we have to correct our perception and learning has a function mm, Okay. within that separated state. But once we've returned and, and awakened and become fully enlightened um, in, in who we are as God created us, there's, we're back in heaven and there's no need for learning. Evolution is a process in which you seem to proceed from one degree to the next. You correct your previous missteps by stepping forward. This process is actually incomprehensible in temporal terms because you return as you go forward. I don't understand that line. This well, process is incomprehensible in temporal terms. Well, okay, so it seems like we're going forward in time making corrections. But what we're actually doing when we make the corrections is restoring our awareness of ourself before time even existed. Mm. So that seems to be back there somewhere. You know, our original perfection seems to be back uh, in time. But it's actually here. It's just we, we have not awakened to it and it seems to take time to wake up. Therefore, it seems like something behind us that we're trying to restore, when really it's actually something here in the present we're trying to come into awareness of. Okay. The atonement is the device by which you can free yourself from the past as you go ahead. It yeah. undoes your past errors, thus making it unnecessary for you to keep retracing your steps without advancing to your return. In this sense, the atonement saves time, but like the miracle it serves, does not abolish it. As long as there is a need for atonement, there is a need for time. But the atonement as a completed plan has a unique relationship to time. Until the atonement is complete, its various phases will proceed in time, but the whole atonement stands at time's end. At that point, the bridge of return has been built. Yeah, okay. So when your when your forgiveness is complete you, and you the memory of God returns to you then there's no need for time. Mm. Okay. The atonement is a total commitment. You may still think this is associated with loss, a mistake all the separate sons of God make in one way or another. It is hard to believe a defense that cannot attack is the best defense. This is what is meant by the meek shall inherit the earth. They will literally take it over because of their strength. A two-way defense is inherently weak precisely because it has two edges and cannot be turned 
and can be turned against you very unexpectedly. This possibility cannot be controlled except by miracles. The miracle turns the defense of the atonement to your real protection, and as you become more and more secure, you assume your natural talent of protecting others, knowing yourself as both a brother and a son. Yeah, okay, so... Why do we think atonement... Why do people still think atonement is associated with loss? Well, because you have to give up your ego in order oh, to right. forgive certain people. Um, you know, you hold grievances. You have to give up your opinions about other people, and people may perceive that as a loss. Yeah, that, they have know, to give up their their guilt, opinions, anger, and guilt. I right, think that's a loss. Right. right. Okay. But. But as you get more clear, you see, well, those, those opinions are self-destructive. Mm. You know, you can't be angry at someone else without hurting yourself, in other words. Mm. So the anger that you're projecting outward onto someone else is also you know, affecting you. So when you give up anger, then you're saying, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to harm myself. I'm not going to harm others. I value peace more than, uh, you know, attack. And that's that's like where it's saying atonement is is a one-edged sword. It can't come back and attack you. It's like I'm I'm giving forgiveness to everyone equally, including myself. So it's a it's kind of one direction, mm. right? And it's inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's like I'm not giving this solution to some people and not others. So I don't have enemies. If I gave it to some people and not others, I'd still mm -hmm. have enemies, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like now with all these wars going on, it's like, oh... We're, we can be an ally to this group, you know, the, I, I, you know, the Israelis and the Ukrainians, but now we're, we're enemies of the Russians. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like that's the way mankind has always been in their, in their politics, you know. One group, it's, it's a tribal mentality. Mm -hmm. They're not seeing the wholeness of humanity. And... The Course in Miracles is seeing the wholeness of humanity. Mm. Well, okay, then I think that's the next. The next one is the Altar of God for tomorrow. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you.